I think that um, the difference is still that in our in our culture, men, you know, women are loved, but men are respected, and I think that's like the slight difference there that you that you sometimes feel. Hi, good afternoon everyone and welcome back to our second episode of our new series Two Penceworth, where we're going to be interviewing female founders in climate tech and giving them the opportunity to give their two penceworth on the challenges that they've faced as female founders. In 2022, for every one pound of VC money that was invested, less than two pence went to companies that had female founding teams. And sadly, whilst I can't single-handedly change that statistic, what I'm hoping to do through this series is try and do our part to champion some of the amazing work that is being done out there by women in climate. I want to shine a light on some of the adversity that's still present for female founders today and acknowledge it. But most importantly, I want to share the advice and the resources that they've used to help them on the road to success. So I definitely don't want this to be a place where we necessarily dwell on the problems or the challenges that are being faced, but where we help each other to build a toolkit to help us succeed. This is our second episode in the series. And last week we were joined by Claire Rampen, CEO and co-founder of Reef. If you didn't manage to catch that episode, then you can find it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts or on our YouTube channel. And we'll put a link to those below. Um, So please do go and check that out. But today we are joined by Josephine Bromley, COO and co-founder of Mortar.io. Founded through the Carbon 13 Venture Builder Programme, Mortar.io is a digital modelling platform which helps property professionals to digitalise and decarbonise their buildings. Since graduating from the cohort, they've taken uh, taken part in some really prestigious accelerator programmes and they've been listed as a startup to watch by Sifted and the UK Green Building Council. I am really looking forward to hearing more about Josephine's journey as a founder. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Cherry. It's lovely to be here. My pleasure. Um, So just to kick off, I'm really interested to learn more about um, and to share with everybody more about what the journey behind your, you kind of entering that Carbon 13 Venture Builder programme was. So were you just happy to share with us a kind of potted history, I suppose, Josephine, of what led you to how you found out about the programme, what led you to join it, and then your kind of founder experience and journey through that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I've had a very squiggly career. So I actually studied nothing related to what I'm doing now. Um, so hopefully that gives hope for people who studied something completely random as well. I studied English language. Uh, it was a pretty useless degree. Um, and then I and then I uh, joined Google. So I was there for a few years. That's where I started my career. Um, I wanted to work in a more impactful space, but still in the tech scene. I became quite attracted to what, everything that was happening in the fintech world. I felt like, oh, that's really challenging the incumbent banking system. And what's happening there is going to be better for society. Uh, so I was quite excited by that. I joined a fintech startup then in London. I realized that the uh, financial revolution wasn't exactly coming in the way that I expected it to. Um, so I was I was curious to to look at other other sort of impact spaces which still had that that tech presence. Um, I ended up joining a construction company and working in the innovation team there. And uh, we were looking at how to make the UK's infrastructure more sustainable and more green. So looking at road and water and things like that. And I absolutely fell in love with the built environment. It was it just exactly what I was looking for in terms of that impactful space, 
something that goes beyond just earning a salary and making money. Um, I love the culture of the built environment. It's inherently quite collaborative. It takes a lot of parties to build a building, uh, for example. So uh, that really appealed to me. Um, but I was still kind of missing that that startup vibe. So um, I came across Calm 13 because I'd started um, uh, speaking to a lot of people in the climate tech space while I was still working at the construction company um, and came across the opportunity, applied, didn't think I would get in, got in and uh, yeah, ended up meeting my co-founders there. They the Carbon 13 have a co-founder matching experience to begin with. So you're all put in a cohort and you, you find your co-founder that way. I found two brilliant co-founders. Uh, we formed Mortar.io last July, as you said. Oh, sorry, as, as, uh, as I've said just now. <laughs> and um, and uh, and yeah, and, and ever since then, um, it's been just over a year now, we've been doing the classic kind of lean startup thing of um, trying to prove the various hypotheses we have around our business, proving the business model, um, proving that the, the product is actually solving a problem for our customers um and and yeah it's been it's been thrilling but it's been brilliant all at the same time scary and and kind of all those good things and how was that founder matching experience how did you i mean did it take a while to to know who the right co-founders were for you and did you know what you were looking for going into it how, how talk, talk me through how that how that was yes so um you only get six weeks so it does take a while, but there is a clear deadline. Um, and I knew that I wanted to find uh, someone, well, definitely people working in the built environment. My strengths are in um, uh, kind of large scale project management, the opera, 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 operations, operationalizing strategy, understanding strategy and be able to turn it into action. Um, I've got the startup operator experience from from the fintech that I worked at. Um, so I, I wanted to find definitely that technical person who had the the value creation that we could then turn into turn into um, a business and then also some more commercial experience as well. So um, I because I had that kind of very clear um, criteria that I was looking for in co-founders it did make the process easier I think yeah. it's very it's kind of when you're when you're overwhelmed with what to do and you've got so many options and so many directions that you could go in particularly when finding a co-founder um I think it can be very tiring um so you do I kind of have to say like you're great we really get on as people but I've got a different goal that I want to do with my career and my business and where my skills are and and, and that's it really. So, so it was an enjoyable experience. I think I'm a, I think I, I consider myself maybe a little bit more extroverted than introverted. So I actually like talking to a lot of people, which I know for some people sounds like hell. Um, <laughs> and it was a little bit strange because I'd never been, it was the first time in kind of two years that I'd been with such a large group of people, at, you know, post COVID. Yeah. So yeah. that was a bit overwhelming, but, but no, overall it was, it was a really, really great experience and a fantastic network to still be a part of. It's a quite hard brief to fill, right? Because you've got to find people that both complement your skills and also fill in the gaps that you don't have and you like them and get on with them. Um, to, to tick all those boxes is quite intense and I imagine quite difficult to find in when you've got a six-week deadline. And, and talk me through the... So did you go into the programme with the idea or the bones of the idea for Morsha already or was it something that you formed but or did one of the other co-founders or was it something you formed completely from scratch as a three um definitely the the latter 
So yeah. I had a few ideas going in, but they were more just conversation starters. I wasn't wed into any, wedded to any of them. Um, we we formed it as a three, building off our own experiences, what we'd seen in the industry already, and our own skill sets and, and kind of what we could bring as well. Yeah, fascinating. And and so talk us through, um, if you don't mind, just just um, sort of a, a brief summary of of what the platform does, who uses it, and and yeah, what's what's so great about it. Yes, definitely. Um, so what our platform does is that it creates, I like to call them quick and dirty digital twins, which is a bit of a contentious word, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> quick and dirty digital twins of existing buildings. So that can be offices, uh, resale spaces, religious buildings, also residential buildings is fine as well. We're, we're building type agnostic. Um, once we've got that digital model, we can take advantage of all the the power, power that digitalization gives us. And the key thing for us is the experimentation piece. So how can we use that digital model to make a lot more intelligent decisions about how to decarbonize that building? Um, so, so we have the virtual model, digital model, and then we have the second part of our technology, which is the simulation environment, um, which is the really kind of unique part. So we're, we don't just say, oh, you know what, with this building, why don't you replace all the inefficient light bulbs to leds or more efficient lighting because that could save you x percent in energy demand um what we do is we take that recommendation and actually simulate what what would happen to that building in as much as as a real life environment as we can simulate so we're looking at the surrounding buildings we're looking at occupancy we're looking at weather patterns and we run that simulation for say a year and then we say, OK, yes, changing the lighting is the right decision, but you should do these things first or you need to invest in um, your heating system first, because if you replace the lighting with more efficient lighting, that will give off less heat. So you need to be aware of that kind of whole building effect. Um, and, and that's sort of the power of our technology. And, and we we are helping those sort of uh, property advisors or property consultants who really, really struggle to give um really accurate um powerful and 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 helpful so really helpful advice to the property owner customers mm. uh, commercial property owner customers that that they serve absolutely and so so client base wise is it sort of residential landlords large commercial landlords but anyone that owns a property portfolio i suppose right yes yeah yeah so it'd be large commercial um property owners i think i like to think about them more as investors rather than rather than sort of, you know, you know, definitely not homeowners who are also yeah. property owners or or even the buy-to-let landlords who that is often not kind of their full-time role, you know, it's not their, their business to, to have properties. So, um, yeah, that's that's our client. Interesting. Okay. And, and since graduate, so you mentioned it was July last year that you kind of spun out of the cohort or graduated from the cohort, right? Oh, sorry. So we incorporated the business last July yeah. and we graduated from the programme last December. So we were in it for nine months in total. So from April to uh, December and at that, in that December graduation culminated in a couple of demo days where Carbon13 organised um, uh, two sort of pitch events. We we got on stage. Well, I didn't. It was my great co-founder, Ranjith, uh, got on stage and, and pitched the business to a room full of investors, advisors and other stakeholders in the in the investment space. Yeah. 
I was there and it was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you were there. Yeah. <laughs> so long ago. Uh, there you go. Um, and so you, you're sort of almost nine months out, nine months in, nine months out. So you've almost been out, graduated as long as you were in there formulating the idea, formulating the business. How has that nine months since graduating the programme been? I mean, I mentioned there at the, at the top of the show about the impact, uh, the sort of accelerator programs that you've been part of. Um, to, yeah, talk, talk us through what you've been working on over this last nine months. Yeah, it's been, um, I mean, it's a bit uh, cliched, but it is a roller coaster. I think you all know it yourself, Cherry, being a, being a business owner yourself. There's, there's massive, up, when you're up, you're up. When you're down, you're really down, right? So <laughs> that's definitely been a feature of the past nine months. Um, a huge amount of learning, or, or, or like really which seems really basic now just kind of how to run a business in in the most bo for the most boring tasks so realizing that a lot of the you know admin tasks that we were doing just weren't needed they were kind of over engineered at the start of the year we scaled that back and focus on you know the, the actual important work which is always uh, building relationships with customers investor and investors and trying to um Kind of de-risk any hypothesis or any belief you have in the business as quickly as possible um so so yeah that i mean that that kind of everything around the sort of lean methodology we've tried to incorporate into the past nine months and continue to do so um and i think the the biggest the biggest uh, task that we've we've had over these past nine months is just really really validating the problem solution part of our business um, and we're happy to say we really feel like we, we've got there now, which is great. Yeah, amazing. And I can completely, um, yeah, I, I completely understand that point about the over-engineering that you do at the beginning, putting all these big processes in place. And then you get yeah. to a point where you think, I'm totally overdoing this and having yeah. to streamline it back to make sure you're being as efficient as possible. Absolutely. And and over this last nine months, what would you say you're kind of, I suppose, most proud of really on on, on the journey? Um, so I'll mention something that happened, which happened recently. We uh, won a grant from Innovate UK as part of uh, a Net Zero Digital Living Accelerator, um, and that was for two hundred sixty thousand pounds, which uh, was just brilliant to get because it's money, which is always nice, and uh, it's validation of the technology that we have, the, the problem that we're solving, that the approach that we're taking. Um, it was yeah, it was amazing to get that, and and yeah, I mentioned to you before that we that we wrote the grant ourselves, and uh, we did we did get a person to review the grant, but um, but yeah, having that kind of full ownership was yeah made us even more proud, I think. Yeah, that is massive. Yeah, that's a really great achievement. And like you said, it's as much about the money and what that money enables you to do next as it is about the validation of the idea um, that, you know, has been your baby for what 18 months now and, and you've worked so hard on. So, yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. And what are you most excited about moving forward? I mean, post post grant, what what, what does that enable you to do and achieve on the platform? Um, mo most excited about um being able to deliver our minimum viable product now and start generating some proper revenue. Um, yeah, that's that's really exciting. I think it just like you say, it goes back to this validation piece that you're not just kidding yourself, you actually are creating something valuable and, and helpful and impactful. Um, and I think actually working on the business as opposed to being focused solely on, you know, fundraising or kind of the external elements, just being kind of in there, 
working on product, working with customers, that's that's the best thing. It's definitely the most exciting thing as well. Yeah, amazing. Oh, I'm so pleased you managed to get to that point. And, you know, you can now kind of take it to that next level. And and how's it been? I mean, obviously, this, this series is very much to focus on the experience of being a, a female founder and the adversity that sadly does still exist um, in the industry for women in leadership positions. What's your experience as a founder been as a female founder? And do you think or have you recognised instances where you've faced that adversity? Um, yes, very, very good question. So I have two male found, uh, male co-founders. Um, I never, ever, ever have felt anything from them, which has made me feel, you know, they were expressing an opinion or giving me, um, you know, criticism that was based on my gender. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, I'd hope that a lot of female founders who have male co-founders can say the same because having a co-founder is about respecting that person as a person, as a human being, um, which, which they definitely do. I think, um, I mean, I, I was, cause you sent through these, these questions a little while ago. So I was thinking about them and I think that, um, and this is a sweeping generalization. So, you know, we are talking about gender though, which is full of generalizations. Um, <laughs> I think that, um, the difference is still that in our, in our culture, you know women are loved but men are respected and I think that's like the slight difference there that you that you sometimes feel um and I think it can be really really subtle um in in more like casual settings like networking events and and again it's really difficult because you don't know if it's you being paranoid or something but a really good example is I feel like I'll say something and then someone else will say exactly what I've said, but it'll be maybe a man who said it and then that gets heard. I don't yeah. know if you've ever experienced that. Again, I hate to say it because it's like, is it just me being paranoid? Did I just, you know, was my Northern accent completely <laughs> not understood by the receiver? I have no idea. Someone else just thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna amplify that. I've no, I have no idea. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think in, in meetings or, you know, with investors or with customers, I never ever feel, oh, I'm not being, you know, heard or listened to or whatever because of my gender. I've never, I've thankfully never received a snide comment or anything like that. But at the same time, there is this sort of cognitive dissonance between what happens in a meeting and then looking at the facts of reality, you know, that, as you said, so little funding goes to female founders and there's so few female VCs. And, and it's just, I think, you are I, I am conscious of that in a way when I do go into those meetings um but the the way I think about it is you know all I can do is stay kind of true to myself I'm not going to perform in any particular way that I think is going to get a better reaction because I mean it's just a bit pointless really um so yeah it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult question to answer I think maybe there, there's a little bit there I think um and uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to speak for everyone either, right? Because everyone has their own experiences, which are perfectly valid as well. Absolutely that. And, and I think you're right. It's it's quite often these very tiny, very almost things that you would almost overlook um, because they're so minor. But it's that death of a thousand cuts. You know, it's lots and lots of those built up, I suppose, lead to, as you said, this cognitive dissonance between I personally haven't felt that I've been discriminated against, but we clearly are being because the mm. money and the stats and the figures show it. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Barbie movie and I hate to bring it up. <laughs> but there is a really brilliant line in it where 
he asks somebody, you, are you, you're not doing patriarchy very well here. And the man, he's a sort of corporate guy, works for a, a big company. And he goes, we are. We're just hiding it better now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen I remember that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that. It's, I think, so hidden, but clearly still there. But I think it, it does. It takes its form in those those little situations of maybe not being as respected or not being heard. Um, and have you found in those meetings that, you know, there will be different questions that are targeted at you versus your male co-founders or times when they're sort of spoken to, but you're not? Um, yes, I do find that. Um, at this, I, I do find that at the same time, um, my role is COO rather than, you know, the CEO or the CTO. So, some, so I'm cautious to say, okay, if it's a technical question, then it maybe wouldn't make sense for me to answer that. Um, and uh, and, I, and yeah, I think, I don't know, it's really hard to say, Cherry. I mean, yeah. yes, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I... Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of our roles or because of of because of it's men and women on the call. If that makes sense, yeah. Absolutely. It's so it's it's just infuriating. It's really different. And you don't. I don't want to say that yes, that is the case because there's not. You know, as a and you, you'll know this as well. All all I care about is I want to push the business forward. Yes. I it, you know it's like pick your battles, right? Do I do I really care if this investor is asking my CEO co-founder who happens to be a man as well more questions than me? I just want to get the investment. I just want to move on with my life kind of thing. So <laughs> exactly that. Exactly. You do have to pick the battles. And like you said, the most important thing that is that as a team, you're pushing the business forward and that you're getting the money and and, and creating impact. Absolutely. And so in, in terms of things that you've learned or kind of tools and advice that you have gathered along the way through that Carbon 13 journey, you know, through your career previously and also through all of these these amazing kind of programs, accelerator programs that you've been on since, what support and resources have been most impactful for you on that journey? So I I think going back to my um, personal needs, because I think that's the how the resources helped me. Um, I think I and also my co-founders, but we we were so new to fundraising. Mm -hmm. um and how to kind of structure your business to be a, a VC backed business as well um that a, res a resource that really helped me was a book called venture deals mm -hmm. um which I was actually recommended to by another um carbon 13 cohort member um before she started the cohort in Berlin um she recommended it to me I was like where was this book you know <laughs> six months ago whatever that was brilliant I think it's it is quite dense technically mm -hmm. but um it just demystifies a lot of just the the details of fund of, of venture capital funding or angel funding or whatever any sort of equity funding um that i just didn't know um on that same thread i think speaking to fellow founders who have raised money successfully at the different stages kind of a little bit ahead of, of you i think the best is when you speak to a founder who's just raised the same round that you're looking to raise because it's still so fresh in their head like what worked and what didn't and their advice is going to be so much more practical than than you know someone who's literally not done it before so so those are definitely the two biggest things that that book and then uh, speaking to founders yeah yeah and how did you find those people 
that were just like you said, just that fraction further down the road than you were. So they've just done what you're about to do. How how did you build that network of people to find? Uh, yes, so um, there's a few communities that I would definitely recommend. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky to be in the Calm 13 community. I don't think it's necessarily a closed community, though. Literally, if you know anyone in Calm, like I'm very happy, for example, to refer people to other Calm 13 founders. Um, there's an event uh, which is um, ran by uh, Juliet, who's brilliant, called London Climate Connection. Um, you've been there as well. That's a fantastic way to meet founders. Yeah. Um, anonymous Founders is an anonymous Slack group for founders, um, mm -hmm. which is really, really brilliant. Um, I really advise any, you have to be a founder, you have to kind of show that you're a founder on LinkedIn to join, but I really recommend anyone joining that. Um, and then there are the, the work on climate group is also a really good way to meet um, founders. And finally, Voyagers IO is a really good way to meet founders as well. I mentioned mainly just climate founders group I, I, groups, I realize, but everybody should be a climate founder, realistically. So <laughs> job, as they say, yeah, perfect. That's really useful. Thank you so much. Um, and in terms of sort of quick, we usually round out by doing kind of quick fire recommendations, but I appreciate you may have just given us what your quick fire recommendations are. <laughs> <laughs> but are there any, so networks, communities, organizations, that there have been some fantastic ones there. Uh, most of those are Slack channels, right? Voyagers and work on climate. They're both yeah, I think Voyagers is a WhatsApp group. So we all kind of a basic and they have a email newsletter um you have to be referred to by someone in the group i'm very happy to refer people if anyone wanted to message me after this um but yeah they're they're really good communities perfect brilliant and you mentioned their climate connection uh, run by juliet down in london that's an in-person um yeah meet up yeah which is last wednesday of every month in holborn if yeah. anyone wants to go but there's another one actually i've just remembered my climate journey um which yeah, is excellent okay. really really brilliant as well yeah that's also a slack community isn't it and then they have a series of events and, and a podcast yes. um so yeah fantastic that's great and in terms of media resource to recommend you mentioned venture deals the book are there any other books or podcasts that you'd recommend people check out um i really liked it's kind of an older one now um it's called the personal mba i don't know okay. if i've come across that one I um I just I just found that a really useful book. I mean, it's so many other people did as well, but um, it, it talks in frameworks when it's giving um, you know business advice. I think a lot of these business books that you read, they're great, but about three quarters of it is personal anecdotes. Not that I don't, you know, it's nice to hear people chat, but when you're a bit busy, you're just like, I just want the knowledge, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I found that to be a really useful book that I recommend. It's also um, uh, has lots of kind of links to other books that it recommends. And that I found that as well, really, really useful. So oh, that's a really good foundational book, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'll take that one out. I've not heard of that. Interesting. Um, and who would be the one business role model that you would suggest people Follow. could be a climate related person could not be but somebody that you look up to um so in advance of of this uh uh podcast chat i um i had to think about the first one who inspired me as a female founder before i even discovered climate tech um and she's called marcia kilgore um mm. 
If you heard, yes, you're nodding, you've heard of her. Uh, is she, she the one that did fit flops? Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Glory. Uh, she did um, uh, Beauty Pie. She's doing that still at the moment. Um, and I, I think she's brilliant. I mean, she's obviously an extremely successful entrepreneur, but then all the interviews I see of her, she's also just so feminine. And I think that's so nice that it's clear that she's not sacrificed any of that femininity and to to be as successful as she is I think that's so inspirational you know so yeah I, re I really I've always loved her she's brilliant yeah she's great and I've listened I've listened to a couple of um podcast interviews with her um and she's yeah she's great to listen to she's so smart isn't she and yeah, yeah like you said retains and almost kind of harnesses that femininity to, to yeah. drive what's made her so successful which I think is brilliant mm -hmm. yeah Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. It sounds like what you're doing and achieving with Water.io is super exciting and very needed. Um, and yeah, very much look forward to hearing and seeing what's going to happen next in the journey. Thanks so much, Cherry. It was lovely to be here. No problem. And thank you to everybody that's listened today. Thank you to everybody that's joined us. Um, we have got a total of, I think, 10 episodes lined up um, to come to you. So there are eight more episodes um, in this series. So do please keep following, keep an eye out for our next episode, which I believe is coming to you next week. Um, but thank you so much to Josephine. Thank you to everyone for listening and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.